Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Create More podcast. This week I have Tom Buck, who is an audio video specialist, but he has a fantastic YouTube channel. He has almost over 70,000 subscribers and there is an element of what he does. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Sliding Doors, the film, uh, this idea of like a parallel universe. Well, there's a, there's a part of me that would love to do what Tom does. So he was a he was a teacher. He taught a lot about like audio and visual and how to get the best out of it. And then what he's done since 2017 to start a YouTube channel that has grown massively in popularity. And recently, I guess in the last 12 months, he has transferred to running a full-time YouTube business. And it's all these amazing videos and how to like how to become better at audio, video, or latest podcast equipment, video equipment. It's really good. You should go on his website. Hi, my name is Tom. It has loads of amazing stuff all about how to create, start, edit, and produce podcasts about how to get the best out of video, how to film everything, all the tech. I love it. So we recorded this uh, maybe probably a month ago by the time this comes out. He's in Southern California. It's lovely and hot. It was lashing it down with rain when I recorded this in the UK and it was really, really good fun. And literally the first point that you hear us talking is literally the first point (laughs) that we hit record and I even met him for the first time. He's such an easy guy to talk to and it's been fascinating. I guess there's loads of people that love the idea of transitioning into a kind of full-time business of YouTube definitely like a kind of one of my side dreams so it was so much fun talking to him and also just getting to nerd out about podcast tech at the end so it's really good i hope you enjoy it and uh listen to the end of the podcast to find out what i'm doing with my career (laughs) bye this ah i'm all in okay wow wow all right we'll start the podcast this is one of those ones where um I actually feel like I know you far more than you have any idea who I am because I've watched quite a lot of your videos. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. And I, I guess what I'll, I'll frame the interview that I will start with the more create more uh, you becoming a starting your you know, mm-hmm. business based on YouTube. And then maybe the second half of this interview, I can nerd out with you on podcast equipment. Sure. Yeah, so that'd be awesome. If, that would be if you're great. a podcast lover, we'll, we'll stick to that to the other half. Um, but thanks for coming up. Why, why didn't you give a bit of background, um, Tom, about what you do? Sure, yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it and working around my schedule and stuff. So I really appreciate that. But yeah, I am now a full-time YouTuber. Everybody's dream uh, as of March of 2021. And so that's where most of my time is spent on my YouTube channel where I make videos that really like they're geared towards helping people level up their audio and visual skills, um, podcasting skills, basically anything to do with kind of like the world of being a one person crew where you're filming and editing and distributing stuff all on your own. I love that stuff. And prior to that, I was a high school teacher. I taught for 11 years and I spent nine of those years teaching digital media. And then I've just loved this stuff for my whole life. So now it's my job and that's amazing. (laughs) 
So for, for those of you listening, um, I am looking at what is a very familiar scene to me. Because obviously the, the reason we met each other was because uh, I was just nerding out and you had loads of microphones and I was really interested. Right. Um, so, yeah. And as you can see in the screen, I, I, I love this new, like, well, I say new, the Shure mic, mm-hmm. which isn't new at all. It's been around for ages. But... I didn't realize how much other stuff you did. So I didn't, you you do like, you've got three podcasts as well. Is that right? Yeah, three podcasts um, and the YouTube channel. And yeah, my wife and I do a bunch of stuff. I do, you know, client calls and consultations and stuff on the side and started making online courses. So it's been busy. Yeah. Well, I've, I thought I'd just, uh, so people understand the full breadth of what you do. Mm-hmm. You have almost 70,000 subscribers now. And I've, yeah. I've just, I'm, I'm on your YouTube channel. You've had over 6 million views for stuff. And it just made me realize that uh, I just, I love podcasts, but I, I sometimes forget that lots of people love the, the detail behind how podcasts are done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've taken it to a whole nother level with all the video and everything. Did video stuff come first or did podcasts come first or they've, video, presumably? They've always, I guess if I had to say anything, video probably did come first. I mean, and the YouTube channel came first, but they've always been so tightly connected. And especially like when I was teaching, the hardest thing to teach my students, because they would love, like I'm holding up a camera right now, like they would love to get a camera and go film stuff with it and they'd come back and eventually it wasn't that hard to teach them how to film stuff that looks good you know they have a good camera and a good lens they're gonna come back it's gonna look pretty decent and then you know we'd watch it back and the audio just is unlistenable and it doesn't even matter how good the video looks if the audio is bad after you know just a few seconds or a minute or two people are going to tune out and lose interest and so it became such a big thing to to get my students to know that audio is at least half of the video experience if not more and and to really focus on that and then um you know the more you dive into audio the more you just sort of get into the audio side of things and so they've always just been it's like the same thing in my mind is you know you can't have good video without good audio i guess you could have good audio without video but (laughs) i totally agree i think the thing about audio as well is you don't understand you you know you just notice if it's bad. Yeah. You don't really notice if it's good. Like um, I work in architecture practice. We do these amazing videos, but the guys that do the videos they spend so much time editing the audio. But you just have you just completely take it for granted because yeah. when it's good, you just don't notice it. So I, I can totally see um, why that's happened. So so you 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 became a YouTuber in like 2017. Yeah right? yeah yeah. Uh, almost exactly four years ago. But you only kind of, I st- I, you have one of like, I would say one of my dream goal jobs, which is like, <laughs> I love the idea. Because I think the reason I found you is because maybe a year and a half ago, you know, I was doing loads of podcasts. I realized not many people knew about it. And I was like, mm-hmm. I love like the idea of starting a YouTube channel. And then I found kind of, I found yours and I was like, oh, you're, you're already doing it and doing it really, really well. <laughs> I might as well just give up. Oh, no, but no. I, I kind of... But I like things like lighting is another thing. Mm-hmm. Like you look incredibly naturally lit, no matter how I set my lighting up. <laughs> I just look like a redhead. Um, <laughs> so, how much stuff have you got out of shot right now? I mean, there's a lot actually. I know your listeners can't see this, but I can show you. I have my GoPro set up, so you can see my like nice. over over overall room here. There's a lot of stuff. I did a lighting setup video on my channel recently, um, and just in my you know relatively small room, there's 13 lights happening anytime I'm going, which is a lot. And you know, the, it all makes a difference. Like even very just subtle things, like a backlight or a hair light, make a difference. And that's it's kind of like audio. You know, half the time when people want a new camera or they want a new lens, if they just bought like a significantly less expensive light or a microphone or something, that would ended up 
boosting their production quality so much more. But I will say, though, when I started my YouTube channel, the thing that was the thing where I was stuck was I had been doing video stuff forever. I was teaching it and I was doing like, you know, uh, like client projects and stuff. Um, but I was so used to like a really long workflow where you'd you come up with something, the client does revisions, it, it takes months sometimes to get through a single project and you have to set up everything and make it perfect. And I just, I really hated that workflow. <laughs> and when I wanted to start my YouTube channel, the reason I waited so long to do it was I just was too exhausted to do that over and over and over again. And so what I did was I actually bought a little Sony, I don't have it next to me, but I bought a little Sony like um, point and shoot camera, like the RX100. And it doesn't didn't have a microphone input. Uh, couldn't change the lens on it. It was like the opposite of everything that I use. And for like my first 50 videos, pretty much, that was the only thing I used. I didn't set up any lighting. I just would go next to a window or I would just do something like that. And the goal there was just to make stuff. So that way I could just keep making things and I wasn't getting hung up on the production side of things. And then once I had gotten those reps done and got comfortable with the process, then I started bringing back in like, okay, let's use a, you know, a DSLR with a nice lens. Let's use a, an external mic that's focused on lighting a little bit. But that stuff can sometimes hang you up, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get everything perfect and you're trying to just get started. So um, it, it's sort of a fine line to walk, I think, sometimes. <clears throat> well, I think because uh, for people listening, you just flick to a GoPro looking down into your office mm -hmm. and there's so much equipment in there. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot. Do it again. I'm just like, like SLRs, there's huge lighting rigs. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's so if, if I was in, if I was outside of this room and I walked in, would I notice a massive jump in the lighting? Just the, like the, just the, the intensity of the light. It's not, it's, is it much brighter in there? No, well, it's, it's weird. It's like your, your, um, physical white balance will change, <laughs> like, like the <laughs> color temperature in your brain, but um, I'm actually ironically super sensitive to lights and bright lights and flashing lights and stuff. I don't get along well with them. So even though there's a ton of lights in here, like everything is actually pretty much facing away from me and bouncing off of something. So my goal was when you're sitting in here and you're working or you're, you're recording something that it kind of feels like the lighting on an overcast day. Like when the clouds are out, the sun is soft. It's just kind of like pleasant to be out. Um, that's kind of what I was going for, and that's that's how it feels. So you can look anywhere, and there's no bright lights shining in your eyes, which is really nice. Well, I was going to say because you must, uh, yeah, I guess you spend a lot of time there because you're constantly yeah. creating content yeah. yourself, right? So you, this this is this is the brain cave that <laughs> sure, you're in yeah. right now. <laughs> that's what the room is called. <laughs> and uh, so, in terms, I guess the the whole premise of Create More as an idea is um, it, it's that creative entrepreneurship. So it, it's kind of trying to pick that moment where you decided that I'm going from this is a hobby to <laughs> now this is a business and I think that that mental leap is a, is a huge one yeah. and I was just wondering like at what point did you did you have a threshold of viewers like at what point did you feel I can make this work now um that's a really interesting question and it's it's a tricky one because for sure like speaking for myself starting my channel that was not the goal at all like I, I was so anti I'm not gonna monetize anything and this is you know I had a whole thing posted like with when my first video came out that was like what I wanted my channel to be it was like my core philosophies and one of them was like this is not a source of income like I have a job I don't I don't need to do this for that this is a separate pure like endeavor which like <laughs> I admire where I was going with that but also I wish I didn't wait like a year and a half to kind of decide it was okay to have a little strategy with my channel. It probably would have, it probably would have grown a little better in that, in that first year and a half. 
Um, but it's okay because everybody has their own journey and you got to figure out stuff on your terms along the way. But, but I guess I guess at that beginning point, though, you were still in that um, you, you wanted it to be authentic and everything. Yeah. And then I guess once the money comes in, the production quality goes up and actually you're just giving people a better product, I'd imagine. Yeah, I and it's, I think I had just seen so many people where I had followed them and I loved them. And then I kind of noticed, which really scared me now this year because I would notice people going oh, look, I made the leap to full-time YouTube and then suddenly like I would lose interest in their channels because it's just like everything is sponsored, everything is an mm -hmm. ad, um, and it just sort of lost the thing that drew me to it. So I specifically, like on my channel, you know, I did podcast episodes about it, but on the channel itself, there is no mention of that. Like it, it is just, hopefully you have, if you're not following me on other platforms or anything you would have no idea that there was like a big life change everything is just the same as always and i wanted to do that on purpose but um to answer your original question <laughs> there wasn't really a, a like a threshold like i didn't have a limit of i need this many subscribers because that doesn't even correlate to revenue it was kind of like there was two things that happened which was it took me up until about a year ago before i actually admitted out loud that this is something i would want to do as a job if possible. And that was a big leap because it was in the back of my mind, like, yeah, if the channel blew up and I had millions of subscribers and was making all that kind of money, then um, it would be an obvious choice. But when you're not at that point to think like, yeah, you know, maybe in a couple of years, this could be something. And just admitting that to yourself that you would take that opportunity was was a big step. And it was scary just to even, even just admit that to anybody. Um, and then after that is when just coincidentally things started happening where the, the revenue from the channel started getting kind of close to what I was making from my job and then started sort of equaling it and then started like squeaking past it a little bit, which isn't even necessarily a time to go. But once it was sort of doing that and it was kind of consistently hanging out there for, you know, it had been a few months at the time, then that's when I was like, okay, I'm feeling stressed and burnout and exhausted from work. This is kind of seems to be somewhat consistently taking off. Um, maybe now is the time to think about it. And that's sort of what played into that decision. Presumably you were overlapping two things like oh, burnout, yeah. you know, like, yeah. uh, like I, I, this, for example, this podcast is like, it's so much fun that I love doing it, but that like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you have to do two podcasts in a week. You've got a really, really busy week. You don't want to let your guests down. You keep doing it. And then uh, I like your, your like enthusiasm for your hobby starts to, kind of dwindle a yeah. bit so I, how have you kept up your kind of that's enthusiasm so, for that's it it's so tough because i think most people who are making stuff <laughs> on their own they're, they're not in a position where that's what they're doing full-time they're trying to balance it with family and life and work and also this thing that you're prioritizing and that's kind of what happened for the last year and a half i would say probably about that it was like having two full-time jobs and it was just like i knew that wasn't sustainable it was going to run me into the ground but it kind of came between like, well, I have my job that's supporting me and I have my passion thing on the side that I'm in full control of. And I just knew the job made sense. So I wasn't going to just throw that away because I needed that. But I wasn't going to let go of, of my thing because that's what I really cared about. And that's what I was in charge of because I could do a good job at my job. But all it would take is one new manager, one new supervisor to just change something and everything go away. It doesn't have anything to do with me even. Uh, and whereas my thing is my thing and I, yeah. I valued that a lot. And so I just kind of knew, okay, if the finish line is to transition over to this fully, I just have to, to do this and it's going to be unpleasant and it might be a year or two. 
and it's just sort of the price to pay of like working that transition and you know it it was not easy but knowing that it wasn't going to be permanent definitely helped sustain it and i love what i do it's just like you know like you said it's it's hard and uh, a couple years ago i if this was actually maybe three years ago now um i didn't realize that like making videos and stuff was actually making me sick i started like getting sick a lot and i didn't know why and I realized it was, a, I was putting a lot of stress on myself. I got to make a new video every single week and it has to be out on this certain day. And it wasn't until I realized, oh my God, the thing that I love is actually hurting me. And then I decided, okay, let's reassess. And I kind of just spent the next like year uploading whenever I could and not, not trying to be tied to a schedule. And then I did a thing where I, um, and I, I kind of try to sometimes do this with podcasting too, but where you, you um, work ahead. And so you have videos scheduled. So I usually always have about three, maybe four videos on my YouTube channel scheduled out, um, in advance. It's really hard to get to that point because you have to like make extra stuff to build your schedule. But once you have it, um, then you have the safety cushion. So when something happens, you have a busy week, you get sick, you're just tired, you can not do anything that week, but the machine will still keep going. And that was a total game changer. Um, I tell that to people all the time and they always laugh because they're like, oh, I could never do that. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's like really a lifesaver. <laughs> like, yeah, that's really smart because I, I think most YouTubers feel that it needs to be so authentic. It's almost what you've done that week. You know, mm-hmm. I guess like Casey Neistat kind of has set that yeah. template of like what you did that week is the video. So you're always kind of like, I've done it now. I have to experience it. That's interesting that burnout must just, I, I say, and one of my earlier episodes in this series was talking to Fred Mills, who does the B1M, which is like, I interviewed him five years ago and he had like 5,000 subscribers. And now they've got like a million and a half wow. subscribers. <laughs> and, and like, but I, in my head, he, I was like, did you blow up? He was like, no, I just, I, I went up and then I employed my stuff and I did more work and I and it just went up and up mm-hmm. and up. And it wasn't like this viral video, you know, like yeah. they didn't really have that spike moment. Have you experienced the same? It's it's just hard work or is one video hit and you're like, what 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 made that work? It's <laughs> a little of both. That? It's it's definitely a little of both. Um, I've had several friends whose channels like completely took off. I have one friend who went from, I think he had 3,000 subscribers in December and then by January had, uh, what did he have in January? He had 72,000 in January and now he has 200,000. Like it just, Whoa. and I don't know why. And every video he uploads does well. Cause sometimes that happens for people, but then after Damn the, that guy. the bump, it just goes down. <laughs> but it's like every video just does well and he's, he's able to handle it. I've, you know, had other friends that have similar things. Mine's been pretty steady. The thing that, that I've seen, um, shifts in which is good is when I started focusing more on like audio related stuff so microphones podcasting um, and when I started fo- focusing more on like you know like streaming setups how to have a good looking zoom call that kind of stuff mm. which was cool because that's the stuff I was doing that's the stuff I, I'm interested in and people seem to like it obviously in 2020 a lot of people were looking to like how do I level up my online calling setup um, yeah. So that was, you know, part of it too. But that was kind of once I sort of figured out like, here's a thing, because I loved cameras, but there's so many YouTube camera channels with people who are like more skilled than me, more technically knowledgeable than me. <laughs> They're just doing a better job than me. So why am I going to show up and go like, yeah, here's my other camera channel. And this was like, hey, here's a little part of the conversation that that I can actually add something to. And I think that helped. It wasn't like a, 
boop, like a spike or anything, but you could definitely yeah. see the growth just became a little, a little more consistently upwards at that point. And it gave me more direction too. That's interesting. I, I kind of, I guess I, it, like some, I heard one YouTuber say just one video went viral and mm-hmm. none of his other videos could do it. And he was like constantly chasing that high. And then he made lots more videos that never worked. And he was just chasing this mm-hmm. like weird dream. But do you, do you find um kind of going through this process, you know, suddenly you're watching your subscribers go up. Do you, do you feel more relaxed or more pressure? Like would a hundred thousand <laughs> to 200,000 be like, now I've got to really entertain a huge group of people. I, or you... I mean, so, like we wouldn't, <sighs> That was just a bunch of sounds I made that was a sentence, but uh, that's sort of tricky because like it's definitely in my mind when I'm making a video, there's sort of like the core people who are always showing up on every video. Like they're always commenting, they're always doing this. And I sort of think of those people and like what would they like, what would they dislike? So that kind of gives me an idea of, you know, should this be a silly video? Should this be a more like serious video? Should Whatever. And that helps, but otherwise I just kind of forget about it. Um, And the process is exactly the same as it's been the whole time, which is great. That sort of has happened by accident. But like even, you know, when my, when I do live streams, like if my wife's with me and stuff, we do our live stream every week and sometimes she'll help me out with live streams on my channel. And I I don't know what it is, but I, I never look at the number of people watching, which is probably good because especially when you're live, I think that I might freak out, but, (laughs) um, you know, she'll be done. I'm like, oh my gosh, you were up to, you know, 200 and some odd people at one point. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. And I think that's good because it's like, it just feels like I'm doing the same thing I've always done. And I'm not feeling the pressure of how many eyeballs could <laughs> potentially be on it. Um, so that's I good. I think it's quite, it's quite smart of you as well to get your wife involved. Is she, was she it, it like, I just think like if your partner does a similar thing to you, because mm-hmm. I guess YouTubing and, and the, I guess the just the pre- not pressure but you know that you've got to cu- generate something each week there's like a real rhythm to it and you know it you have to just buy into it I, there's no way to avoid it and is she, was she have you gently brought her into your world or was she into that before, <laughs> before yeah you got into it? oh my gosh uh having a supportive partner and something like this is huge and it's funny i think it was something that endeared me to your show right away is because her slogan her her main YouTube channel is uh, Heather Just Create, and her slogan is Just Create More. <laughs> and so when I saw your podcast, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, and she's been Great doing months. it longer than me. She she quit her job in 2016, but she did the opposite route of like, I'm leaving my job, and I'm going to start, like, document the journey from zero to wherever this goes. So total nice. opposite strategy of, of what I did. Um, and so she's been doing it longer and she was one of the first people who we met right at the time that I like started my channel, was poking around a little bit. And she was one of the first people to kind of, I always say it like gave me permission, not that you need permission, <laughs> but when you're thinking of doing something like this and you're feeling like this might be a little goofy or a little weird and somebody you admire shows up and says, no, you should do this. It's a great idea. It's cool. Do it. It's, it's just kind of nice. Like it's, and she was the person that did that. So she understands it. Um, she's always been supportive, even, you know, when the channel was super small and no one was watching, if mm-hmm. I needed to take some time to work on a video, she was like, yeah, for sure. Like, it's not even about people watching it. It's about you. You know, if you said you're going to upload a video this week, you need to upload the video for yourself, not because it's going to get eyeballs on it. And, um, and so she understands that we, you know, we do one of the podcasts I do is us together. We do a live stream every week called the couple's table. And then she does streams and videos. She has two YouTube channels. She's always popping in my videos and on my stuff. And it just, you know, it just kind of works because it's also like her 
office slash studio is basically on the other side of the wall that I'm facing right now. So whenever <laughs> we need something, you can just say like, hey, could you come here? And then like, hold this and say this. Okay. <laughs> it's really nice. How do, how do you, um, how do you find, uh, I guess, cause you, you're, you're, you're giving part of your personality away online, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, and obviously you want to be as honest as possible. And, you know, especially with your partners, you kind of have, I guess, quite a, an exposed life <laughs> that you have. Is, is that, is that fine? Have you kind of got used to it? Is, or it, yeah, is it just something you feel quite natural doing? I think everyone needs to set their own limits for that. And even between us, like if you watch my channel, you watch her channel, um, especially she has one channel that's uh, YouTube tutorials. So it's Heather Ramirez and it's just like, you know, it's down to down to business, just straight YouTube tutorials. <laughs> and she has her personal channel, which is more personal. She's more into like sharing, you know, the journey and the this and that part and everything. Whereas my channel... Like I put in little bits of personality and I might show something, but I'm also like, like, yeah, you won't know I changed my job. You won't know that a relative passed away. You don't know that I was sick last week. Like that stuff just isn't on the channel. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's on purpose. Cause I'm just, I, I just want it to be a certain way. And, you know, I, I just kind of keep things separate as much as I know it's just kind of whatever you feel comfortable with. And that's sort of what my comfort level is. And like, <clears throat> I think one of the interesting things I've learned about the podcast, and I'm curious to know your reaction <laughs> is um, w- like when I first started the podcast, I loved it so much. And everyone was, I was like, maybe I could do this as a job. And then everyone was like, there's no money in podcasting unless you do like, I don't know, a hundred thousand downloads a week. Mm-hmm. Like but if you just go on monetary value per podcast, but what I hadn't factored in and what has been really important over the last five years is doing the podcast has opened so many doors. So while I haven't got like a monetary value for it, it's always been the thing that separated me. So I'm an architect. There's hundreds of architects. There's very few architects that do podcasts who are confident enough to talk to people. And it's always been the, the foot in the door mm-hmm. that has just allowed me to move into all these different circles. That How are you supposed to... I can just go up to CEO and go, can I talk to you on a podcast? And they're like, sure. Like that's... There's no monetary value there, but I've got a lot out of it. Have yeah. you found this kind of similar process? Yeah. How long have you been doing your podcasts? I started in 2015. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you saying like, I don't do it every week. I do it when I can. I try and do a bulk of 10 and then I realize I just, I have a life and I have kids and then I stop for a bit and I do another 10 and <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like I do them every year. I do like 10. So that's hmm. cool. I mean, I do the same. I do 21. I don't know why it's 21, but I just do like 21, take a few weeks, 21, take a few weeks. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that's such a good point. Cause that's even what my wife used to say is like, um, you know, if you looked at like her ad revenue from her channel at the time we met like four years ago, it was, you know, enough to pay a phone bill maybe. And it's like, how are you doing this full time? It's like, yeah, but this is what gets me clients. This is my resume. This is my portfolio like this. The ch- it's not that the money's coming from YouTube, but it's coming from it, it's it's a portfolio piece. We have a friend who's a lawyer and he has a YouTube channel. It's not a huge channel, but he's got a ton of videos on it. And it's like, the number of clients he's gotten from having that YouTube channel mm. is huge. And, you know, with lawyer fees, you can imagine like that's a decent amount of income yeah. coming from the channel, but that's that's not reflected in the subscriber number or the view count or anything like that. But it's a, such a good asset to have something like that. And it's, I guess that's a kind of conversion rate, isn't it? Like you could have a million people watch it, but no mm-hmm. one does anything. You could have a hundred people that watch it who have millions yeah. of pounds worth of money to invest well and that's and that's the thing too is um i as now just the me talk about my wife podcast but that's kind of she's been exploring this idea of the passion economy lately which is and so we've been talking about a lot and it's basically that same idea where 
you used to think that you needed the biggest numbers to succeed and to do this stuff full time. Um, but you really don't. Like if I had really wanted to, like if something, I don't know, if I had lost my job, I probably could have done this full time at around the time my channel was at like 25,000 subscribers. Um, probably could have made it work around then. And that's still like, you know, when you're just starting out, a number like that feels very far away, but it's definitely attainable. And, you know, you don't even need like, if you have a hundred people who are, who are just absolutely into everything that you're doing, like you can actually earn mm. a, a living, at least just a regular sort of middle-class living from something like that. And it's, that's much more in reach of the average person than trying to get the biggest numbers in the world and be, you know, yeah, in in the millions or something, because that's just yeah. Impossible. I guess as well because because of your kind of uh, the way I I don't know. I was going to ask about like revenue or mm-hmm. you don't have to say any figures or anything. I'm just <laughs> curious about like percentage of where you get it from. Because again, referencing this guy, the B1M, this was five years ago. You know, like when he had like five thousand subscribers or whatever he's like i make no money mm-hmm. and then again when i spoke to him a year ago and he had a million he's like we still don't make that money much <laughs> money on the actual ads yeah but it's all of the people who want to pay to put stuff on the platform in front of a million eyes that's what gets the money so do yeah. you have a similar style it's gonna be i think it's again the least satisfying answer but it's different for everybody i did do <laughs> i did do an entire podcast episode on mine um, a few months ago, right? I just went through like all of the earnings from last year from 2020. So, wow. I mean, that's all there. And it changes month to month, obviously, because it's, you know, some months are great and some months are bad. So it's, at least it's a rough idea. But um, for me, like AdSense is probably like 20 or 30%, but there's there's really about like 13 or 14 different revenue sources, everything from like AdSense affiliate links, um, lots of different affiliate programs, online courses, YouTube channel memberships, Patreon, like all those different things um, go into one spot. And that's very important because what I've been noticing as I like track it is you can have months where, because sometimes I'll go through and I'll be like, oh my gosh, my Amazon is the lowest of the year this month. My AdSense is the lowest of the year. My art list affiliates are the lowest of the year. I Whatever, everything is down, but overall the number is up. And it's like, wow, it's so interesting that I felt bad about this, but the total is higher. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, having a lot has been good. But like I said, um, the the friend I mentioned who has the channel that blew up um, this past year, he, his most of his stuff, like 80 or 90% comes from AdSense and he makes like five figure AdSense a month. And he's like, I don't know why people are complaining about AdSense because it's great for me, but... I don't make that. So it, you know, it really depends on your channel, your niche, your, your audience, you, a million subscriber channel could make less in ad revenue than a hundred thousand subscriber channel, depending on like their CPM and, and all these different things. So, um, you really got to look at what's working with you and your audience and, and, you know, don't try to choke something to life. If it's not working, don't do something just because somebody else is doing it. Um, yeah. really like do the things that work for you and you just kind of have to experiment to do that and how like how organic is your development of your videos for example you just well i want to do that that's interesting or <laughs> how how like how granular do you go with your research and have you done like <laughs> uh, you know like 
I don't know, like you see these courses, how to generate 100,000 subscribers or whatever. Like, you know, there's they make it sound like there's a system that works yeah, really well. Yeah, mine's the first one that you said where it's like, I want to make this video. Cool. <laughs> Good <laughs> <And> answer. That, <laughs> that's kind of it. Um, and, and I mean, I have an idea now of like what's probably going to do better than something else. Like, I do like making videos about lights, but I know when I make a lighting video, it's not going to do that well. Um, so sometimes I might do one anyway just because I want to. I know that like a microphone video is going to do well. So I kind of like, I'll do, I'll have the ideas of everything I want to do, but I'll kind of like stagger them and be like, here's a video that I think will do well. So I'll do that now. Here's a video that I want to do that might not do as well. So I'll do that next. Here's another one that I think will do well. So I'll do that after. So that way it's like, you know, I, I'm still doing everything I want to do, but it's sort of like the order that I do it in. That's, I guess, where the strategy would come in. But yeah, it's just whatever whatever I want to do <laughs> whatever yeah. I want to I do just, it I just think it's like you know like for example at my job it's very difficult to as an architect it's very difficult to like have metrics other than like mm-hmm. cash flow in cash flow like I don't know how much a client loves a thing I've done you know then you don't get that sort of feedback whereas on YouTube you yeah. get comments likes dislikes you literally do a video and you can see people go oh I, I actively know that people didn't like that the most and you're right. like oh <laughs> yeah <bummed> me out. <laughs> yeah that's tough it's and I'm, you know, the thing is, too, like, I, I'll beat myself up worse than anyone. So I don't really need the criticism. Like, I get it. If something was bad, I'm aware. Um, <laughs> so, I, like, you know, but it's just, it's just par for the course. And I try very hard to go, like, okay, is someone adding to the conversation? Are they providing a different viewpoint? Are they being constructively critical? If so, like, come on in. Let's talk. If someone's just being mean, I just ban them. I don't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, like, do, do you, because uh, I, I would be like you, I, I would definitely beat myself up more than the other people, yeah. but you can't help but go in the comments, guys are douche, you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you get affected by things like that? Or have you just learned to have a thicker skin over the process? It's, I, I would love to say like, it doesn't affect me at all, but totally <laughs> like, you know, if you get you're 10 like, positive, <laughs> yeah, if you get 10 positive comments and one negative one, you're going to focus on the one negative one. And I wish that weren't the case. I wish I could go like, look at the other like 10 people who said super nice things. Who cares about this guy that's never like, I mean, and, and people will say mean stuff. People, people always like, most people love the dumb jokes in my videos. And then I'll get someone that's like, stop with the stupid jokes. You should be behind the camera. You have no place being on screen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, everyone else who likes my dumb jokes disagrees. So like, go find a different channel. Um, So I think for the most part, I've gotten to a point where like the negative stuff does bother me, but it bothers me less. So it'll bother me for like three minutes instead of the whole day. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'd it, imagine yeah. when you're like, uh, well, 67,000 people can't be wrong. So in your face, there's kind, there's kind, there is, you know, there is kind of that, you know, if, if a video were to have like five likes and 10,000 dislikes, <laughs> like maybe I did something wrong, but for the most part, it's like, if things are doing pretty well and people seem happy about it, you know, other people just might not land with them because you'll get comments where it's literally the same video. And this has happened like multiple times where someone's like, this is the best video ever. You solved my problem. Thank you. And then right below it, somebody's like, worst video, waste of time. I'm like, this is the same video. How did you have the opposite response? (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it's just you just can't predict what people are going to do. I think like because I guess what I'm going to frame my question is five years ago again, YouTube was a thing, but no one really thought there was that much money in it. I just, mm-hmm. I, there was like a convergence point where everyone like took it slightly more seriously. But I just, in the back of my head, I was like 5,000, 10,000 subscribers. That's pretty good. But no one's really going to have 50, 100,000. And this B1M channel, as an example, 
no one was like, that's, you're not going to get half a million subscribers. It'll, it'll taper down. It'll taper down. And it's just mm-hmm. keeps going up and up and up and up and up. <laughs> like, is, is like, what's the, what, is there a long-term strategy for YouTube? Would you just keep going and keep going? Like, it, it, it just, yeah. just keep working at it. I, I mean, for me, it's just keep going. I think there's, because a big, a big piece of advice that's like always given out when someone focuses on YouTube is, um, you know, well, you should, you know, have your own website, have your own mailing list, have mm. this, don't focus all on YouTube, which is great advice. And I do all those things, especially <clears throat> having your own website. That's a, that's a great one. Um, however, it's like YouTube, YouTube as a platform, unless something terrible happens, which would probably affect everybody on earth, like it's really not going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. No one else has that infrastructure. No one else can manage that stuff. Like YouTube as a, as a platform that exists and is used is feels pretty secure for at least the foreseeable future the difference is like your account could get deleted your account could Mm. get hacked like those things could happen to you um which is you know something to take care of and and be aware of but the the basic thing is like just keep going i do think certain channels have limits i speaking of podcasting i was working with a client a couple weeks ago on a consultation and he was wanting to start a youtube channel but he's like no it didn't work it it didn't work there was no one for that niche and my impulse was to go, oh, there's like, there are people for everything. And he's like, no, seriously, like it's such like granular, like software engineering. It was like so specific. He's like literally the biggest person in YouTube on this space has 3000 subscribers. He's <laughs> like, there's, there's no audience for it. And I was like, oh, interesting. But then he said, I, I started a podcast and I was able to get a company to sponsor our 10 episode season for a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, geez oh my god like wow that's uh significantly more than anything i've ever made like on a youtube thing so it it can be very different um he really switched it on you there didn't you like what what yeah i was was (laughs) gonna try to be like encouraging like you can do it and i was like oh you gotta figure it out you don't need me at all but uh you know in that it just sort of depends i think that there are limits like my wife and i have talked about this like a channel like mine for example I would have never, ever, ever thought it could get to 10,000 subscribers, and then it did, um, and then it kept going, and it was kind of like, well, geez, and it, I feel like 100,000 could potentially be possible, uh, which would be unreal, but I do think, like, honestly, it, it, I don't think it's like a million subscriber channel. I don't know that it would even be a half a million subscriber channel. I think some things just sort of like, mm. this is sort of the upper limit of just where what you're doing, the audience is, and that's cool. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's other channels that obviously can blow up to a hundred million or something. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, at the end, in the end, it, it almost doesn't matter. Cause you can, as long as you're able to do what you want to do, like who really cares if you could be full time doing what you want to do with 10,000 subscribers or have 500,000, but still need to have like a second job to make ends meet. Like I would rather have the 10,000, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I think for me, it's, it's the, I just fascinated with control being a kind of master of your own destiny type thing. Yeah. So I yeah. think, you know, just being able to just develop, it's it's almost effortless when you're not worrying about what your bosses think. You're just like, yes. you're just moving forward and you're like, how do I have, I'm doing less work and I'm achieving more because I'm not yes. constantly second guessing what someone wants behind me. It's unreal. And making decisions, if you decide like, this is how we've been doing something, but I, I don't like it. I want to do it a different way. That's it. The decision has been made. Yeah. You don't need to have a meeting. You don't need to have emails. You don't need to do a focus test. Like, it's just, it is what it is. That's how it is now, starting today. Okay. It's so crazy just how, like, lean everything becomes, and you can just 
go for it. It's that has been like the most liberating thing in the world, especially coming from public education where it's like, you know, tell us what you want to do now. And maybe that could be implemented in two to three years kind of thing. Like, what? No. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I had to say, like, I did create more as like, um, this is like my passion project. And mm-hmm. the thought process was, I'm interested in this person. I'm just going to talk to them. What are you going to talk about? Them. It's done. There's as much thought as I need to put in. I do research mm-hmm. and that's it. Then I joined a new architecture practice and they were like, can you do a podcast, but like a work one? And I was like, I can. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. What are you going to talk about? What are your questions? I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I haven't really thought about it. It's more natural. I don't really, I can't predict exactly what we're going to talk about. Well, the marketing department want to know. And I'm like, what? There's a whole marketing department. Yeah. They need to like vet the questions and you need to edit that. One podcast took like four months to get out. And I was oh just my like, gosh. this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy too, because I, I've seen, you know, like, some of the podcasts and stuff that I've been on, not to say anything, you know, negative about it, anybody, but I've noticed there's times where it's like the bigger, more corporate things. Like if you sort of get involved with that, it is very much like, here's a marketing thing. We need this. We need, we need a, a headshot and a this and a that. And it's like, gosh, this feels like I'm going on like NBC or something. <laughs> and then the podcast comes out and it's like, nobody listens to it. Or if it's a live stream, there's nobody watching. And then somebody else will just be like, hey, you want to come on my show? And it's like, yeah, whatever. And then it's like they have the largest audience ever. And they, they're just like, ah, you know, kind of like how you were like, hey, welcome. I'm going to hit record. OK, let's go. Like those <laughs> kinds of things where it's like, oh, this is actually like so much better than these super micromanaged yeah. you know, traditional way of doing things. And it's things. natural and it's engaging. It's yeah. fun to do. And it's like that. I was trying to explain like that's what people respond to on podcasts. They're just natural conversations. Mm-hmm. That's why podcasts are so popular. And I guess this nicely segues into my chat about tech nerding out now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess like part of the excitement of your channel is that podcast equipment is really just ramping up like so yeah. quickly that, you know, I've got my little Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 that I've had mm-hmm. from day dot and it's never broken down it's never failed and it's this like wonderful little one that plugs into your laptop you don't even need a power cable for it and it was great but then I bought one of those like eight channel mixer ones which I think you probably have in like a village hall to like have a live band on you know there's it's yeah. not designed for podcasting it's just got <laughs> five channels in and you can mix and match or whatever mm-hmm. and it I just liked I love the visual aspect of it. I like when people come on the show in person, there's like cables and bits of equipment because people go, oh, yeah. this is a, it's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the Rodecaster <laughs> came out and it was like, oh, why? I'm obviously going to buy that. Is that, yeah. is that your, is, is that what you're using right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. If you watch my channel, everything's just the Rodecaster. It's like literally my channel when I wouldn't be able to do this full time had the roadcaster not come out because that was, you know, making that video and doing that and finding that community was what really gave everything like such a direction. But yeah, that's that is like the heart and soul of of everything. I love it so much. And interesting. Uh, so so yeah. the, the the kind of the roadcaster brand is something that you've kind of fully engaged with and people have really responded to. Yeah, well, because it's it's genuine. I I had mm. spent so much time you know, I was trying to rig stuff together and I started producing podcasts for other people in 2014 for like different school districts. And it was always just kind of piecing stuff together. So be like, here's a bunch of mics. They're running into this mixer. This mixer is <laughs> going into, we need headphone amps so everyone can have a headphone. We need, uh, the mixer goes into a recorder. Sometimes there's a computer involved and it's like, you know, it was just a mess and it was tedious and trying to get other people to understand how to use it was just a nightmare. And I did that, you know, repeatedly. And then I even did 
a version of that for myself when I wanted to start podcasting. I was like, I'll take my old audio recorder and I'll take my video mic and I'll like, and then the roadcaster came out and it was like, Hey, all that stuff is in this one thing and it does it really well. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I did just pre-ordered it like right away and got it as soon as it came out. And then I was like, this is so cool. I need to make a video about it. And that's kind of, I guess that would be where things like really shifted into like the next level of stuff. So I've noticed you've got, what is what microphone have you got there? <laughs> this is uh, this is the Rode NT1. Um, it's my first condenser microphone, so I've been trying to use it more. Uh, I, I love it so far, and it's a real nice mic. And Rode just this was this is where like YouTube stuff gets weird. Is a couple weeks ago I was on Twitter talking to somebody, and I mentioned like, oh, I'd love to have a condenser mic, but I've never really used one. I've only used dynamic microphones, and then the package showed up at my door with the big road logo on it. And it had like this microphone in it. And they were like, we figured we'd set you up with a condenser. Cause you said you haven't used one. I was like, this is cool. <laughs> That's like, not yes! something that would normally happen. But yeah, I love, I, um, you know, I got my roadcaster and I got my pod mic, which was like my first, <clears throat> I guess, more legit microphone, um, that's set up for podcasting, not, not supposed to be a video mic or anything like that. And I really do love the pod mic, especially for the price. But then I just got into like, well, what about this? And what does this do? And the Shure SM7B is $400. Like, why Why is it $400? Why is this $100? What's the difference? Like, just learning about all that stuff was a whole rabbit hole to go down. I love it. I, I'm so jealous because, I mean, for people who are listening, I have this Shure SM7B. But I started with like a USB one and it, it seemed mm-hmm. all right. But yeah. it, we know when people touch the microphone, like the boom mic, and you can hear it pinging and whatever. Mm-hmm. I've noticed you've got the, the Rode PS1. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Like, it's, it's all very silent. But I bought this because at the time it was like I had a bit of money and mm-hmm. I love. I just wanted it. It looked so professional. And I guess Joe Rogan kind of set that thing of like, oh, it, this kind of makes it feel super professional. But I did wonder, does the pod mic sound as good as this? Because it looks good. The pod it. mic can sound as good. They sound different. Um, the pod mic lacks the low end. Mm-hmm. So if I had it, if I had it connected easily, I could switch, but I won't mess anything up right now. The pod mic lacks the low end a bit, but you can always EQ that out. And then depending on your voice, um, you know, not everybody sounds great on every microphone. I think the SM7B is probably one of the best, like all around. You could put pretty much anyone in front of that mic and they're going to sound good. Um, and, you know, like the pod mic, if you have a nasally voice, it can, it can sometimes be too much. Um, but it's fun. I mean, I got SM7Bs when I mentioned setting up podcasting stuff just because I had done some radio interviews and I worked at some radio stations and it was literally just like, what do they use there? And everything was an SM7B on a PSA one. I was like, that's what I will get. Yeah. Um, I, that was the thought that went into it. Even in that time though, the, the room we were in, like the SM7B was terrible in that room. It was big. It was echoey. Um, I didn't know at the time about like cloud lifters and gain and, and it's a quiet microphone. So I was like, gosh, like the, the crummy video mics we were using before actually sounded way better. Cause I didn't know how to use the SM7B at the time. And so, you know, there's uh, all those I, kinds of growing pains. <laughs> when I bought that Rodecaster, I'd like, cause my friend Bill, we did a podcast together and he was mm-hmm. like, what, we'll go halves. And what are you buying? I was like, I'm going to buy four SM7Bs and I plugged them in 
to the direct into the roadcaster mm-hmm. and it was like this is awful i can't like cranking hear. it as loud yeah, as it can and go. why is this so bad i didn't know what a cloud lift was i didn't know i needed all this extra equipment mm-hmm. but the thing i love about this and this is why i like doing it in person i i, I kind of I've got it all to fit in like a massive duffel bag. So I've oh, got cool. like, yes, yeah, so I've got like four <laughs> PS1s. I've got four short, like, and I've got these micro wow. these headphones all in a little rucksack that I can just zoom around London in. But people are kind of half questioning what's going to go on the podcast. The second they hear their own voice through these microphones, they're instantly like, yeah, I don't know. It's like the, it just changes the whole atmosphere of the interview. They're like, oh, this is professional. And, you know, when you yep. lean in and you can hear the bass, like, um, yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, so what's uh, what's well, I realise we're coming out to the forty five minute mark. Um, what's uh, what's what's next for your channel? Do you do you think more than like three months in advance, or do you respond to tech and as it comes out? And I don't really respond to that because one thing I actually hate <laughs> is when <laughs> a new piece of tech comes out and then like the day it's released, there's like twenty videos about it. Um, and a lot of those videos are from people who were like sent the thing early and they made the video and they just had to wait till the date. I, I feel bad because I have friends who do that and. I just hate that. Like, it drives me crazy. It feels inauthentic. It feels overwhelming. So I don't really care, like, what the newest thing is. I guess if they ever made, like, a Roadcaster 2 or something, that's something where I would, like, I want to have that right away. Um, but beyond that, I just kind of... It's sort of like what what I notice people are needing, you know, like... I always think of, okay, I'll make a video for myself six months ago. So what was I struggling with? What questions did I have? Um, and that's kind of like what I'll focus on. So that's that's sort of where, where I go. But it's, you know, I, I'm not trying to like rock the ship or, or change anything. I like where things are going. I want to keep them where they're going. Um, I've been playing around with channel memberships a lot lately in the past few months. That's been pretty fun. What, what's kind channel, of like, what do you mean by channel memberships? It's almost like built-in Patreon on YouTube. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so you can have people join your channel. You can set different tiers. Um, the bad part is YouTube takes like a 30% cut. They take a huge chunk of it. But the integration is amazing. You can do like custom emojis. So I have like a little roadcaster emoji and a pod mic emoji. And like, it's cool. Um, and you can do like members only live streams, members only posts, videos, chats. So it's been like, I've been doing video versions of podcasts. It's almost like when people want to start their second YouTube channel. So, you know, here's my main channel, but I want to do something that's a little off from that. So I'm going to start a second channel, which it just sounds like a nightmare to me. This is almost that. It's like you can be a little rougher, a little like different, a little goofier because the people like they've paid to be there. They want to, they're on board (laughs) for what you're going to do. Um, And that's been really fun, like kind of playing around with that. Um, That's a big one. Get doing, you know, like I did my first online course, earlier this month it came out and that's been really cool um so learning that whole world of like oh you can i can still teach stuff and it's just sort of different and maybe doing another course this year would be kind of cool because you've kind of i guess being a teacher you've now hyper focused in on your your online <laughs> niche right as in yeah i guess having a community of i mean 60 what 60 70 000 subscribers you're gonna get a reasonable amount of feedback i'd imagine and then they're yeah. the guys can you can make this video and you're like oh I, if you're asking me, then I, I'm going to be far more motivated to make a video than me just guessing something. Yeah, yeah it's so, I'm so, like, just yesterday this thing happened. I got a new camera last week, and like I said, I don't really do camera videos. Like, I'll do stuff as it's related to maybe streaming, podcasting, or whatever, but I don't really do just straight-up camera review videos because other people do them better. And this guy on Twitter was like, 
when are you going to do a video about that new camera? Like, I'm waiting for it. And I wrote back. And I was like, I don't know if I will. You know, I'm not really a camera channel. Maybe at some point. And he was like, oh, I'm bummed. Like, I was really looking forward to that video. And then I had to sit there and think, okay, I know I can think of, like, what YouTube wants and what the algorithm, maybe what the majority want. But there's literally a person <laughs> sitting here who's like, I like it when you do this. <laughs> maybe I should do that, especially if it's something I would want to do anyway. So I was like, you know, maybe there's a way I can tie it into like my workflow or something. But I definitely, it is nice when there's people you know who are like, I'd love it if you could talk about this thing. And and it's weird because like you said at the beginning where you can feel like other people are already doing it and they might be, but they're not doing it the way that you would. Mm. And so you're going to bring something different to the table and then the audience is going to, you know, like people are going to gravitate towards you or away from you but you know you're going to give them something different even if you're talking about the same basic thing i just i i just i, I love the channel and i think it's really really good and i do you know i just really like how you shoot everything as well like uh, it <laughs> looks if i can totally see why road would send you stuff when the, the output is that good i mean you've, <laughs> i mean i guess years of audio visual training and stuff uh, is is paid off because you get to play with so much cool tech but you have to buy yeah. it all Kind of. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I, lately, more of it has been, I've been getting to have some stuff for free, which is a weird, like, it's like cool, but also kind of uncomfortable. So, yeah. My, the nice thing about my teaching job was I could always, like, order stuff and then explore it that way. Like, hey, here's a C200 from Canon. Like, what is this crazy cinema camera like? Uh, I can't do that on my own. Um, but that's okay. So most of the stuff I buy and then there's a few things like, I mean, I didn't even ask for this microphone. Ro just sent it to me and was like, here, have fun. Um, but then of course, yeah, it's going to find its way into videos and stuff <laughs> because I like it. Uh, so, you know, I know that's good branding. Like, uh, Nanlite is a lighting company. They reached out earlier this year and they were like, Hey, you know, if you just want some lights or stuff, let me know. And I was like, Oh yeah, I have like terrible lights. I would really love real video lights. That would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, so sometimes that stuff happens, but I, I have a whole thing on my website, um, which is like my ethics statement about how I handle sponsorships. I've only ever done one sponsored video, which was like two years ago. So it's super rare, um, but even just accepting free stuff. And basically what I tell the companies, even if I like working with them, if it's a company I don't want to work with, I just know. But if it's something like, say, Road wanted to do something or, or whatever, um, I kind of like tell them you're basically sending something if you want to send it pretend you're sending it into a black hole and you'll never see it. you probably won't ever see it again like maybe i'll make a video maybe i won't if i do <laughs> you'll not get to see it before it comes out if it comes out you don't get to tell me when it comes out like it's it's really nice. not friendly for the brands um but i have found that the companies i actually want to work with are totally cool with that um so companies like nanlite aperture road um, art list, like all of those people, they're like, yeah, just do whatever. Like that's fine. Um, and you build a really cool relationship with them that way then. Cause they, you know, your channel is your resume, like you said. Yeah. So it's, they're, they know like, oh, you're not going to make a video where you're tearing our thing apart. You're not going to like use our microphone while you're spouting off some like racist, <laughs> terrible, like nonsense. So we trust your judgment. And I think more companies should do that. Like instead of trying to control the creator and see all the previews and of videos, like, you know, if you want someone to do stuff, just support them and it will happen naturally if you like what they do. Um, so that's kind of like, I, I, I don't, 
I, I think there's value in if you're reviewing something like, hey, here's a here's an expensive microphone. I actually invested my money in it. I think I think that does mean something to the audience versus like, here's a great microphone. I got it for free. You should pay for it. Um, sometimes it's unavoidable because I couldn't afford to buy everything all the time every week. But, you know, it's it's just a fine line that I'm learning to navigate. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's all a learning process for you, isn't it? I, yeah. So I'm going to, uh, my last question is, yeah. are you happy you did this? You left your job <laughs> oh and you've done YouTube. <laughs> 100%. And <laughs> the thing, the thing that shocked me, because it happened accidentally, like making a business out of it was not the intention. It just sort of happened. And then when this school year happened where my job was kind of like, I really want to transition out and things were going in directions that I didn't want them to go in. Uh, you know, this pandemic happened. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's crazy <laughs> kind of changed things. Uh, it was nice to like, suddenly this thing was an option. It was like a little lifeboat I had been building. I didn't realize that's what I was building. And the crazy thing is when the time came and I gave my notice to my job of like, okay, this is my last year. I'm not going to be returning all that stuff. The number of people I talked to afterwards, teachers, administrators, like some high level people, uh, every single one of them said, like, I wish I could leave too. I wish I had something like you're so lucky you have something. I want to leave, but I have no options. And I was shocked. I was shocked at the number of people that said that. And it just showed me how important it is to not because it could be a money thing, but like to have your own thing that you're doing on the side, whatever it is podcast video stuff bacon delicious desserts like whatever it might be um have your own thing that you're in charge of because you don't know where it will go and potentially it could it could build connections it could build something where when you need that lifeboat you can make the leap and uh yeah i'm really really happy that i did i haven't set an alarm in two months to wake (laughs) up it's amazing (laughs) the freedom the freedom yeah well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like, are you in Southern California right now? I forgot to ask. I am, yeah. Nice. Yep, yep. And it's what time in the morning is it? 9, 9 a.m.? It is, yeah, it's almost 10 a.m. And <sighs> it is, uh, what is it? What is our temperature today? It's going to be 102 Fahrenheit, so that's like 30, high 30s Celsius. Oh, I hate you so so much. It's miserable. It's wet. It's just so (laughs) miserable here. It's horrendous. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. This is my first remote foreign podcast that I've done. So, and it it, seemed like you've done a million of them. This was awesome. So, so, yeah. So, and I expect the audio to be top notch. It's so good talking to someone who has a fantastic microphone setup because I can't stand Zoom audio. (laughs) Right. It's terrible. I hope, I hope when I send you this file, it sounds good. Otherwise, I am sorry. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. There you go. That was episode 31 with Tom Buck. What a nice guy, right? So easy to talk to him. Um, It it was just so effortless to chat and it it was very unnerving uh, seeing his normal video setup that I've seen so often on YouTube uh, suddenly with him answering all my questions. One of my favorite parts about this podcast is that I just talk to people that I'm really interested in. There you go. That was episode 31. So we're going to have a bit of a break now, I think, with Create More. And that is um, primarily, I kind of touched on this, a uh, bit of a career change. So as a bit of a sneak peek for those of you who are uh, diligent and committed enough to listen to this end of the podcast, I thought I'd give you a kind of sneak peek. So as w- some of you will know, uh, I was at Make Architects for about nine and a half years. I then left to go and work at Heter Architects, who were essentially a startup. Whilst I was there, 
along with kind of running some big projects, I also really got into the branding, the graphics, the marketing, the business development side of it. It was quite like a multi-pronged job. Um, exposed me to tons of stuff. So the website that you see, I designed that along with the great graphic designer, Sam Barkley. All of the documentation, the presentations that we did, I started to develop and all of, I started a podcast at Heta. Um, I got these really interesting people involved. It was really, really good fun, but ultimately, I, I guess I got to a point where maybe I wasn't the right fit for them, which is fair enough. Um, we The ambition was always that maybe, I mean, as most of you can imagine, on a Create More podcast, it's been going for almost six years and I've done almost, you know, well over 30 episodes. There's an element of me that wants to start something myself, but how do you get into that? So... I won't tell you who I'm doing it with and what the company is called, but the next episode, I think I will probably reveal everything that we're doing. Um, but yes, I am starting my own company. I've gone all in. Um, it's very exciting. It's also exciting, nervous, uh, and we've built a studio. <laughs> uh, so we're kind of set up. So what's the date now? It's mid-June. So when this comes out, when you've listened, when I've recorded this, uh, hopefully things will be up and live and I can uh, I can tell you all about it so I cannot wait so thank you for listening bye ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com <laughs>